When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2022 FIFA World Cup has finally, finally kicked off. With the hosts, unfortunately, or fortunately, succumbing to a defeat. For the first time in history, Ecuador prevailed. And maybe they are favourites to go through now. We've also got, alongside that match review, we've got previews ahead for day two of the World Cup. We've got England, we've got Wales, we've got Iran, we have got the US of A, Netherlands and Senegal. We have got it all. So, stay with us for the next 30 minutes. Let's get stuck in. There is only one place we can truly start, and that's obviously with the only game of football that was played from Alcor in the Albite Stadium, and it came courtesy of the hosts, Qatar, and it came courtesy of Ecuador, a team that I had proclaimed everybody was sleeping on. Um, sleeping on, the, they may well be after after last night's game, or rather tonight's game as I am recording this. And um, it was a 2-0 win for the South Americans. It's also the first time a host has opened the World Cup up with defeat. And maybe with that, Qatar are going to suffer the same fate as South Africa, the only team that had previously failed to get out of the group stage of a World Cup, as they did so in 2010. For the hosts, I felt as though their shape was somewhat passable. 
Um, albeit it was mainly without the ball, with Ecuador controlling the game. I mean, we may as well start with some positives for Qatar, even though, to be fair, they are few and far between. I felt as though Pedro Miguel, Roro, the uh, right wing back, although let's be fair, in this game, he was certainly more of a right back in a 5-3-2 formation. That really is always the uh, the trouble with a three at the back formation. When under pressure, it is five at the back with Qatar here. Certainly, um, it became that right from the word go. Qatar started brightly enough inside the first 30 seconds with a, uh, a, a huge bombardment, but that was essentially all Qatar had to show for the first half, at least until really stoppage time. For the, for the 45 minutes in between, that initial flurry, that brief foray into the final third and what was a, a very tame effort on goal, um, from as Almoez Ali um, to end the half, there was very little, if anything, really. I don't think, I think the keeper had two touches and they were for both from back passes from Ecuador um, and obviously the goal kick towards the end of the first half. But aside from that, Ecuador, for the first half and certainly for the second half, it was absolutely plain sailing for the South Americans. Um, he could say that Qatar were... Maybe too much preparation time. They've been in a training camp since June for, after all, obviously an enormous amount of pressure. This has been building for 12 years since the hosting rights and everything that that came with it. And I just felt Qatar were timid. They were not physical compared to the Ecuadorians. Uh, and Ecuador, out of the three teams that they're going to face in this group, probably the team that you'd expect to be the least physical as well, which doesn't bode too well. But as I mentioned, we'll go back to positives. We may as well start with positives for the host. As I mentioned, Pedro Miguel, or Roro as he's known, he looked as though he could potentially be bright. He didn't He didn't really show it. Um, there was one chance, one of the three chances Qatar had, he got on the end of it and it was a header from a position that he was never really going to truly test any opposition goalie. And um, that's, um, unfortunately for him, it sailed fairly harmlessly wide and uh, no real chances that Qatar had would have been hearts in mouths moments for, for Ecuador. You've got the volley um, from Montari later on in the game, which, because of the way the nets are manufactured it did look as though because it didn't bounce out or you couldn't see the ball after it hit the net that it could have actually gone in but it didn't it didn't trouble the goalkeeper enough he had the tame header that was glanced wide that potentially yeah could have been a scary moment if it had got a bit of a contact on it but uh, apart from that I was fairly disappointed with Akram Afif um, I think he was dropping far too deep for um, for Qatar certainly when the second half came because Really, the second half for Ecuador, because of what they had done in the first half, that was just about control. We spoke, we'll speak later on in the previews that we recorded earlier about this is the fact, this is a World Cup about energy conservation. And really, Qatar should have been well-versed. It's their home tournament, of course, and all the advantages that come with that. They should be um, at least physically fit and physically adept to their own environments. But physicality was an issue. They were very timid in the press. They didn't want to press. They weren't, well, they were second to every ball. They were static. They were fairly, fairly rigid. I felt the shape defensively was was okay. But then again, Ecuador cut through them 
at will, particularly for the second goal. Um, the 3-5-2 was easily pinned back by Ecuador and turning it from a 3-5-2 into a 5-3-2. And think of what that's going to be like against even Senegal, who um, are supposed to pose more of a threat than Ecuador to the wider consensus. Although I, I think Ecuador-Senegal, that could be a very good contest in terms of deciding who's second, maybe even who's first or second, depending on which Netherlands turn up, they can be hit or miss, can't they? But uh, certainly it looks like after this game, you, you may think maybe should Ecuador have gone for it in the second half? This is a FIFA tournament. They go by goal difference, not head-to-head. -head. So maybe when it comes to them and Senegal, Senegal know all too well about how the uh, FIFA tiebreakers can rob them of a place in the last 16 after they were bounced out of the 2018 tournament on yellow cards to lose it on goal difference after uh, Ecuador have beaten Qatar very comfortably. From Ecuador's point of view, you've got to say this is as perfect as an opening day match over a host can get. Two goals in the first half, sail through. Yes, there was a bit of a, a, bit of a knock to their star man in a Valencia, but they took him off. There was no risk of them losing the game. He was comfortable-ish and he's probably going to be playing in the next match where they face the Netherlands but potentially something that could go against Ecuador is playing the host first or playing the the weakest team in the group first because Senegal could watch that match they've got them third after all so they'll have played Ecuador if a draw's been taken there they can then essentially pick how many goals they they need so say for example Ecuador and Senegal both lose to the Netherlands by the same scoreline. Senegal, no, three goals will be enough against against Qatar. And judging off that performance where Ecuador 2, Qatar nil seems like a very good result. And the manner that Ecuador went about it was extremely well-mannered. It was professional. It was controlling. They didn't use up all their energy to find a winning goal late on as they might have had to had it been a, a harder opposition. And for me, it was... Almost a perfect day, but it, it could it, they could have beaten them 5-0 without using too much energy up, but Senegal would always be in the knowledge that come for the final day, they'll know what they need to do to get over the line if we are in that sort of situation where the group finishes Netherlands with nine points, Ecuador and Senegal with four, which is entirely plausible now, and Qatar with zero. Obviously, it could come down to many bends in the road, many forks in the road. Qatar may feel the pressure's off now. The worst that they could suffer has happened. This, on paper, is their weakest opponent in the group, and they've lost to them 2-0 very convincingly as well. The shackles are now off. Nobody's expecting them to do anything against the Dutch. They may as well go all out. Likewise against Senegal. Now they've been conquered so easily. But let's start off with Ecuador. Um, they were very aggressive in that first 15-50, really up until when they get that first goal because they were likely thinking, right, Qatar are going to attack us because it's their home tournament, tails are up, confidence, motivation, everything in the world is pointed towards Qatar having a very good start. Ecuador matched them fire with fire, and Ecuador are usually the type of team, maybe sit off and then hit, like as you see with the second goal. The first 15, 20 minutes, right at them, again and again and again, and mainly carved out their chances from set pieces. It was a game mainly of very few chances. Gary Lineker mentioned in the uh, in the post match that it was the uh, most shot shy goal game 
of World Cup football since 1966, i.e. since when records began, 11 shots. But Ecuador built up so much of an advantage in the first half, they didn't need to. For all the world, it looked as though Ecuador had had the absolute dream start inside four minutes with Enna Valencia's header. And I've seen a lot of people moaning. To be fair, I myself was moaning because it looked as though the goal was absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. You can't really take it one way or the other. But to be fair, he heads it. The guy's legs ahead of the defender. There's a defender on the line, but you have to have two players, obviously. Um, with the with the attacker, two defenders ahead of them. They weren't because the goalie had steamed out. I thought the goal was fairly poor for... Uh, well, for the goal, for the disallowed goal as well, it was a bit flappy, a bit cagey as well, and uh, perhaps not a, a strength of uh, the hosts there, but uh, really Ecuador playing on their strengths. Got the most set-piece goals in South American qualification, and you can see why. They are very physical in the uh, attacking the set-piece, and um, they caused a lot of chaos for that disallowed goal. It was a big shame when uh, it got ruled out, but then again, Ecuador absolutely steamed through um, then for the first goal, Enna Valencia obviously taking it around the goalkeeper, tripped, right decision. And um, really, I think there were fears of Qatar bribing opposition and all these things, which I think are pl playing on stereotypes quite a lot, which is which is a shame that people are, you know have to go down that road. And there's certain instances where if people were being paid off to make decisions or you know people were throwing matches, Qatar could have easily, if it was bribes they could have easily gone decisions the other way they couldn't they might not have given the penalty there was a challenge by an Ecuadorian forward man who his studs were up I mean it wasn't a red card by any stretch but if you wanted an excuse the excuse was there so I'm gonna say there there was no bribery no match fixing there involved there was a little hint as well from Gary Lineker which is a bit sad um it is 2022 and yes these practices still happen but it wasn't alive and well in that game. You could see there was there was no excuses to be gleaned from the referees, from the Ecuadorians, really, that that was ever going to happen. And really, it takes away from what was a fantastic first half from Ecuador. The, the penalty was magnificent. It was absolutely superb. I feel as though Qatar could have done a bit get better getting out to the, uh, to the cross for the second one. But really, Ecuador just wanted it more. They, just, they were just the better technical team. The interceptions, the transitions, Ecuador would be in Qatar again and again and again. For the first goal, for the th for the second goal, the header was magnificent. The cross was, you know, equally as good. His injury is a bit of a worry, but um, because he came back out for the second half and obviously they wanted to test how the game was going to go in the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, he'll be playing the next game. The, ne the next game will decide the group, in my opinion. It obviously entirely depends on... Uh, on Senegal and the Netherlands tomorrow, which we'll be talking about um, later on. But in terms of the second half, it, well, let's be honest, it was a dull second half. And if I was in Ecuador's position, if let's say, for example, England do that tomorrow, they get 2-0 ahead and the second half almost makes you go to sleep. I'll take that every single day of the week. 2-0 win to start things off, get your nose in front on the group, on the rest of the group. Perfect display by Ecuador. They will not be complaining whatsoever. And whilst, yes, they, I, f I felt as though they were a little bit sloppy in the uh, final third in the second half, they didn't need to be on point. They didn't need to be as incisive and attacking as they were on the transition as they were in the, in the first half. 
And I feel as though there's some examples like Jeremy Samiento played or looked to play his uh, teammate through on goal. It seemed a simple pass. If that's a level game, say if it's Ecuador, Senegal, and it's, you know, that that will win a game, that will get you out of the group, he'll make that pass. And to be fair now, Ecuador on a great path. If they win in the next game, they're through, and we're already at that stage, it seems. And uh, yeah, for Ecuador, it's a uh, dream start there. They've only been at one knockout stage tournament, uh, one one knockout stage of a World Cup before. Um, that was in 2006. How did they start that? Well, they started it with a 2-0 win, and uh, that was against Poland that day. And uh, again, Poland in its proximity to Germany, where that was played almost an away game then as well, like it was tonight. So maybe there are some omens in the air. Maybe people will stop sleeping on Ecuador Again, but we do have to take a bit more evidence for that from today's game against um, between Senegal and the Netherlands. And of course, Ecuador versus the Netherlands on Friday night. Ecuador versus Senegal on Friday night will be, um, well, it'll settle the group, essentially, won't it? And uh, it's World Cup coming together. All right. The first game, whilst it wasn't a barnstorm, it looked as though it would be for the first half. It's a, a game that you'd think, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You take that. You take that as an Ecuadorian, maybe Qatari, you're a little bit disappointed. To be fair, personally, I was a little bit disappointed by the fans. Um, well, I say fans, the uh, the people in attendance who weren't at either end. Obviously, the Ecuadorians are going to stay for the entirety of the game, win, lose or draw, I'd imagine. Um, and they were that sort of ultras behind the uh, Qatari goal, whether they were manufactured or not, I, I don't really care too much but they stayed for the entire game you could potentially see who was a football fan and who wasn't who was just being there for the crack for the uh for the you know socials and all that but uh we have we seem to have this problem at um quite a lot of uh world cups really i tend to remember the 2006 world cup england versus paraguay a lot of empty seats there and you know fans if they're not really fans of the sport if, if fans are neither team they're not going to stay really are they um but all round it went as well as what you'd expect a Qatar World Cup in the middle of November in its opening game. It went as well as you'd expect that to go. And it will continue. It'll go through the next 28 or so days. And at the end of it, we'll have a World Cup winner. And after this short break, we'll be previewing the next three games. One down, 63 to go. Join us after this short break. <laughs> Welcome back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of course, now it's time to preview day two's action in the 2022 FIFA World Cup, where, of course, the competition begins for the likes of England and the Netherlands, some of the front runners for the tournament. Now I'm recording this in preparation, rather, for the World Cup, rather than after the opening game, the opening ceremony. Just recording this after Gianni Infantino's, well, outburst, I suppose you could call it. Um, So things are going to move quicker at this World Cup, I feel, um, politically off the field. So if anything's happened in the intervening, what, 30 hours in between after the match and uh, tomorrow and um, this going out, I suppose. Um, just be no f- mindful of that, please. Um, um, I might be maybe a little bit out of date um, when discussing certain aspects. Um, I'm not factoring in injuries, I suppose. Players will be more, you know, pre- preparing off the uh, training pitch rather than... Uh, on it in the meantime, but uh, that could be uh, a uh, unlikely factor. But let's uh, head off with the previews. England versus Iran. Well, yeah, we're English speaking, um, so we have to really start. <laughs> Sorry, Wales. <laughs> Even though America, Wales is probably the bigger game, the more pertinent game, the more crucial game, I'd feel. But England, we're going to be um, brashing our biases here. <laughs> Why not? Um, everybody else seems to be. England versus Iran. Now, this will be, in my opinion, far, far closer than anybody thinks. Um perhaps in some people's opinion, far closer than anybody it has any right to be. Um, and I don't think that'll be anything down to England being bad or w- not wanting to um, absolutely annihilate Iran. This World Cup is going to be about energy conservation. And let's be fair to Iran here. They are 20th in the world for a reason. Yes, between World Cups, they may not be facing the level of opposition that England may face, that um, the likes of Brazil and Argentina may face, although they've got their own problems, I believe, um, in South America with their opposition um, and the diversity of their oppositions. Even the likes of America and Senegal that we're going to discuss here today. So maybe, obviously, the FIFA rankings isn't the be-all and end-all. Certainly not, um, because there are huge disparities in how... uh, how that sort of is calculated comes about the uh, fixtures that teams play. But Iran are a team that are well-drilled in how they play. They've got a manager who, yes, he may be new into the job in this term, but he has been, he being Carlos Queiroz, has been the manager at the previous two World Cups where in 2014... They were dealt a, a tough group, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Nigeria and Argentina there. I don't think they embarrassed themselves too much there. They almost held out for a draw against um, Argentina and probably were, came closest to uh, 
giving Argentina a negative result um, up to the final, of course, out of any team. Um, you can also count Switzerland in there who, who ran Argentina close. You can count... Um, you can also count the Netherlands, but that was a penalty shootout. It's slightly different at knockout, isn't it, really? And um, in 2018, they were a side netting away from upsetting one of Spain and Portugal. So let's not sleep on Iran here. Everybody's saying England um, are bad or portray negative um, things about England. So it's a, it's a tighter group that way. But they're always saying that in um, relation to USA and Wales and teams that might usurp England to qualify. And nobody's talking about Iran. This is a team in uh, preparation. Beat Uruguay 1-0. Um, now, we talk about the Nations League games not particularly mattering too much. And we've got two teams in Europe in this group, in Group B, England and Wales, which both were relegated uh, from their Nations League group, which is why I, I tend to uh, feel that the Nations League doesn't particularly matter. If you look at the teams that are missing from the finals next year, it's not an exhaustive um, list of Europe's biggest teams by any means, but there are a lot of uh, big nations uh, missing from that tournament, really. And um, in fairness, this group is going to be this group's going to be fairly obdurate. It's going. To, it's not going to be the most entertaining group by any means. Certainly, not. it's probably going to be the least entertaining. And whilst a lot of um, a lot of teams in this World Cup struggle with a number nine, a, a, a brilliant goal scorer, really in England, in Iran, even and in Wales, you've got teams who have got quite prolific goal scorers. Of course, Wales are blessed with. Uh, Gareth Bale, Iran even are blessed with uh, Taremi of um, of Porto and Asmoon of um, Leverkusen, who are two quite dangerous players, and Iran will look for them through the counter-attack, mainly in the channels you'd expect against what uh, could be a four-man defence from England. Now we know they need they like to change things up a little bit, um, and obviously we need to talk about Harry Kane in terms of number nine, probably one of the best at this uh, at this World Cup, certainly with the World Cup experience and um, collecting the previous golden boot. Let's not rule him out by any stretch of the imagination. And um, it is, it is um, a tactical flexibility that is new to England, that's new to Southgate, and... Um, he, he tended to go with a four against weaker opposition, quote-unquote weaker opposition, um, and against a three or a five against teams that either play that or are stronger, so Germany, Italy, and um, yes, in the previous European Championships. Not to say that Denmark and Ukraine are weak in the knockout phase by that tournament by any stretch, but for, the, for that level of opposition... England usually trot out the four at the back, which will uh, placate some fans who um, bemoan a back three and a double pivot. But let's let's be real about this. Tournament football isn't about playing good football. Tournament football, international tournament football, is light years behind club football. And for fairly obvious reasons, training or lack thereof, preparation or lack thereof, and um, yeah, not just playing, you, you essentially, in a World Cup year, the you know, the, the most prolific amount of games you probably play 15 times at the absolute maximum with these players with your teammates at club level you verging on six day and a lot more time to play those games in as well so this is about possessing the ball controlling the ball and with the conserving of energy in this baking heat now it's not going to be as bad 
in my opinion, um, obviously I've never travelled out to Qatar, but when you look at World Cups in the past, I tend to remember South Korea and Japan baking hot there. A, a lot of uh, World Cups in the past, Mexico, America, so that's three right there. Brazil famously was very, very hot, cooling breaks were added there. It's not going to be anything new, which is obviously why we're playing this World Cup in November and December, admittedly. So I don't think the the, the weather is going to be too bad, but it's the same at any World Cup, probably barring ones in the Southern Hemisphere. So Argentina and uh, South Africa, for example, that um, it's always going to be hot during a World Cup, so that shouldn't be anything new. But World Cup's in general about conserving energy, control, possession. England, in terms of the past two tournaments, they do that. They are not direct, they don't press, and they have possession most of the time. And that is how you win tournament football. It's not going to be pretty by any means, but as we mentioned time and time again, there isn't many examples of a team playing well, playing beautifully and sweeping a whole tournament aside. The best international team, in my opinion, is up for debate massively between Brazil 1970 and the uh, Spanish team, which won three titles in a row. Um, and even, I think Brazil 1970 is obviously the pinnacle of international football, the way they just swept home to that World Cup. The Spain team, they relied on possession as a form of defence, and didn't concede a single knockout stage goal in 2008, 2010, 2012. That's why they were champions. And they almost weren't in 2008 and 2012. They had to rely on penalty shootouts in both of those. Extra time in the 2010 World Cup final as well. So it wasn't a case of even one of the greatest international teams blowing everybody out of the water, even though they were the best team. And you may see that from Argentina and Brazil if they are to be champions, everybody who's tipping them. You can include France in there, obviously. The more illustrious names, Spain and Germany, you can also include them in there. Of course you can. Um, England, they won't play exciting. We know they won't. The The biggest win they've had in tournament football, uh, Panama, 6-1, that's Panama. You know? So the Ukraine 4-0 quarterfinal in the previous European Championships was one goal and then a flurry. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not really um, confident that that was a 4-0 game by any stretch. Um, so I would just say temper your expectations. It won't be 4, 5, 6. It's, it, Iran are a good team. It'll be 1 or 2 and it'll be a hard-fought win. Think Tunisia, but with a bit more control on England's behalf. A Tunisia in 2018... Um, opener. The early goal is absolutely key for England. Getting an early goal, instilling confidence, you do not want it to be like that Tunisia game because there's a lot more pressure on these players. Um, the conditions are probably a bit harsher as well, really, but there are five substitutes, which does tend to help the bigger nations, uh, the more illustriously packed out 26-man um, teams, which England, of course, alongside France, Argentina, Brazil, um, Portugal, They've got the blessed with the most amount of talent, in my opinion, um, and that should help England out. So I wouldn't, I would say, yeah, don't go wild um, on social media if it's 1 0. 1 0 is three points at the end of the day. So that's all that matters in tournament football. What should be a little bit more interesting is the uh, following game in Group B, which is between USA and 
Wales, in terms of competitiveness, we've got a lot of group games like this. Mexico, Poland, Switzerland, Serbia across the World Cup. This is one of them, in my opinion. Um, and whilst I'm not ruling out Iran, America and Wales are probably amongst the favourites to finish second, third, maybe. We'll see how things pan out. Wales are going to play probably more similar to Iran than USA. They're not going to press as much, which may be to their benefit. Um, America are very energetic. They'll have to sort... Um, that's out adjust to that in some way because um, they're inexperienced as well. Those two combinations alongside the uh, alongside the uh, weather in Qatar, they don't all go, they're not all conducive to um, success for the United States uh, national team. And t- to me, success for USA is merely getting out of the group. Yes, they've got some fantastic talent. You can probably chalk up about 10 names which you think wow I'd love them at my club that's Champions League level quality um you know Brendan Aronson Tyler Adams Weston McKenney Gio Reyna the midfield alone is uh, is stunning but they are probably the only team in this in this group without a good recognized goal scorer Ricardo Pepe has gone off the boil he's not even in the squad Uh, much fanfare when he went to Augsburg last year he's gone off the boil Jesus Ferreira is probably the one tipped to uh, start Timothy Weyer of course as well America do not have that number nine but you don't need a a number nine to to do well in a World Cup look at the uh, millions of examples otherwise I think really you're talking only Ronaldo 2002 who've had a prolific number nine David Villa 2010 yes but he did play off the left really um, as he did for his club Barcelona at the time so you don't have usually that prolific player if you're going to win a World Cup recently anyway um, and I don't think that will stop America. It's been a, a stick to beat some nations with, in particular America, but I, I, I don't think it matters, really. If you've got talent like Christian Pulisic, who uh, steps up his game, if you've got you know, attacking players like Brendan Aronson, who can play midfield, he can play out wide, it doesn't matter to him. Gio Reyna is a fantastic player. You don't need a number nine when you've got all them buzzing around, but the, the problem is... They won't be able to buzz around for 90 minutes. And like I said in the preview, this is this is a sandbox like it is for Germany for the, the tournaments to come, tournaments where they'll have home field advantage as well, tournaments where they'll be a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And really, I don't think if, say, for example, America lose or draw this game, they fail to beat Iran, they fail to beat England, the, 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 there's no shame in that. It's a very tough group, the most densely populated group in terms of world rankings. And it's experience, and that's all valuable going into, you know, the next cycle, which is the most important for America since 94, obviously, with the, you know, the formation of the MLS, getting on the map in terms of football as well. And uh, anything but... Anything like last 16 is a bonus, is a bonus. And for Wales, the first World Cup in 64 years, again, I think the same is true. Except they've got older, wiser players. You've got tournament experience against big names in their European Championships 2016. Even the most most recent European Championships last year. Last 16 there, tough group to get out of um, with the likes of Switzerland. And let's be fair, they came unstuck against a Denmark team who um, a lot of people are tipping to do quite well in this World Cup, me included. Um, So it wasn't by any shame that they got knocked out of the last 16 there. Uh, With a kind of draw, they could have done quite well in the Euros last year. The... um, 
the flip side of that is that uh, you've got Joe Allen not playing a lot of game time for his club. Um, Gareth Bale is on the back nine, um, not to use a golf analogy <laughs> all there. That wasn't purposeful. Um, Aaron Ramsey too. But in a way that will motivate them. And we know Wales work on motivation, on team spirit. Not to say they've not got any quality, but that is um, team spirit in an absolute abundance, probably amongst the most in this World Cup. And those types of those types of um, things that you know statistics can't measure matter a lot in this World Cup. And um, I think this game will be an incredible spectacle. Um, I think it'll, like Mexico versus Poland the day after, um, will settle an incredible amount in this group. And they'll have the benefit of knowing what England do earlier on in the day. And really, if England don't get out of the blocks, don't get those three points, a win here would be absolutely scintillating for both for both for both teams and I, i'm tending to look towards wales on this one rather than america because i don't think this is a world cup for pressing which is why i don't think don't think that um you know teams like spain like germany will do as good as teams like argentina who can sit back can sit back and can soak up pressure a little bit, and which is why I think England are going to do quite well. And it's not uh, blind patriotism <laughs> either, really. Um, I, again, this is an incredibly close game. I think Wales will just edge it, but it could. It's probably most likely going down to a draw, isn't it? Let's be uh, let's be fair. And um, our final game to preview before we uh, leave you on this uh, first day of uh, World Cup action is the Netherlands versus Senegal. Now. I don't know what's gone on in the previous game um, in today's, uh, in last night's game, Qatar versus Ecuador, but I don't think it truly matters in terms of preview in this contest. Netherlands, I probably worry for them defensively. They've, they've, they have got the most depth in the tournament by names. That is absolutely sure. And really in names, they're only playing what you'd constitute one of their top three centre-halves in terms of experience, in terms of reputation. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, that is. Um, which I think is a bit like France missing their midfielders. I think it's to their benefit, really. Because if you think about how Louis van Gaal wants to play, it's all about flexibility. Dutch and their versatility, I think, is their strong suit. Certainly their strongest suit. Um, and that's why he plays Nathan Ake, left centre-half. Yuri and Timber, right centre-half, because they can go wide, they can be central. Mathis De Ligt, he's a little bit out of form as well for Bayern Munich. Uh, Stefan de Vrij for Inter Milan. Yes, they're probably better than them two defenders there, Nathan Ake and Yuri and Timber, but they, they are quite rigid. That three would be static in um, in what is uh, Louis van Gaal's 3-4-1-2 system. And likes a daily blind at left back. People may be uh, shrugging the shoulders at him still playing in the World Cup, still playing in a major tournament, but he's in there for his flexibility. And because of that balance between the wing-backs, Denzel Dumfries absolutely bombing on. He won't be a wing-back, he won't be a full-back. And that'll allow the whole defence to just shift up along. It's just basic junior football. That is really when one goes, the other stays. And in Yuri and Timber, in Nathan Ake, if Daly Blind is prone to uh, going forward, which he could cut in field, to be fair, and be part of that midfield, he can shift along as well. And I just think um, defensively... We've seen how 
we've seen how um, porous they could be at the European Championships. And whilst I still worry for them a little bit defensively, I don't think they'll be uh, as bad as what they were, <laughs> were last time. Um, and uh, I think the players that have come in through Louis van Gaal's Premiership, I think, will help that um, a lot, a lot. And um, I'm pretty sure that Group A will be a lot more exciting than Group B. Again, Qatar-Ecuador could have been a... Uh, a nil-nil draw devoid of any hope, expectation or anything. Um, Senegal, of course, still reeling from the news that Sadio Mane is out for the tournament, which is such a shame considering, um, obviously, all hopes pinned on him. But with everything like that, when you've got... Um, Senegal are by no means a one-man team, but when you've got a player who is such a poster boy for the national team, we've seen it in numerous times for other countries... Him leaving the setup whilst he is obviously their best player, far and away their best player, it could help them really in a sort of a backwards sort of way because there's still a lot of talent available. There is There are times when a, a player who's stuck on a pedestal for one of these nations like Senegal and you can say, for example, like Uruguay, even like some Brazilian name, Argentina and Messi, the pressure can be insurmountable and you can get... Players try to win things on their own, which Sadio Mane could have could have done. But when it's um, a bit more of a level playing field in terms of players on the pitch ability, I think Senegal, they don't have a stronger chance now Sadio Mane is out. That would be absolutely ludicrous to say. But I wouldn't write them off because Sadio Mane is out. In Boulay Diar, for Salonatana, he's banging in the goals. You've got Ismail Assar, we all know all about him. The midfield is stacked. It'll be narrow. It'll be defensively astute. You've got Khalidou Koulibaly, one of the best centre-halves in the business. So there's nothing to say that Senegal still can't, you know, get into the, the knockouts, even emulate 2002, um, considering the uh, how close Group B is. They could be spat out anybody in the last 16, if we're honest. Um, I'm still more convinced by a defensively sound Ecuador and how they play football will be a bit more conducive to how this World Cup's going to go. Now I'm going to I might sound like an utter fool if they've got tanked 4-0 by Qatar, but but um I'm still more drawn to them as opposed to Senegal, but it is another toss of the coin sort of talk really like America, like Wales, like Mexico and Poland, Serbia and uh, and Switzerland there. It is um too close to call at this stage. We'll know obviously we'll know a lot more by Thursday night, we'll know, we should know a lot more by uh, by Thursday night and see how uh, these sort of teams, we'll have seen all 32 teams by then. Um, obviously a rushed World Cup, four games per day. Um, I hope <laughs> you've got the energy for it. Um, if you are going to be watching all four every single day, obviously some of you will have jobs. <laughs> Most of you will have jobs. My job is this, um, thankfully. And um, yeah, it's going to be a different World Cup. And uh, hopefully it's still around by the time you hear this. Um, thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow we'll be back as ever, 5am on your podcast feed on YouTube as well to start your day. Bright and early, we get all our content pushed out of the way before the first game starts in the group stage at 10 o'clock. Um, obviously that's not the case tomorrow, but that's by the by. Normally it'll be 10, 1, 4 and 7. We'll have all of our content pushed out for you before nine o'clock on YouTube, on the podcast network, on 
Patreon as well, where we've got great games every single day, which we started on Saturday with Scotland versus the Netherlands from 1978. We've got YouTube shorts, YouTube videos, of course, Football Manager and What If videos, alternate football universe videos, our bread and butter. So we've got absolutely everything for you on this, throughout this World Cup. I'll be happy for a holiday after this. But before we get to Christmas, we've got this World Cup. So thank you very much for listening. And until tomorrow, see they up the three lions. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.